Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. All right. Now let's try this again. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. All right. Let's go to the great teacher. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the great teacher. Jesus said that he had to go away so that the helper or the teacher could come and teach us things pertaining to the kingdom of heaven up in that point jesus told the disciples that there was lots of things that he wanted to teach them but they they could not comprehend right. you got that yeah. it's not that jesus couldn't teach it they couldn't comprehend it the holy spirit didn't come for jesus the holy spirit came for us right. to prepare us so we could hear what we needed to hear amen and so that's why we we make a point here at the church not we make a point here at the church to make sure we honor the Holy Spirit in every aspect we can because if you make a practice of denying the Holy Spirit you're limiting your receptivity through the Holy Spirit does everybody understand that yeah. if you the, the the more dull you are to the things of the Spirit the more dull you'll be to the revelation from the Word the children of Israel all their life had information about God. They had information about Jesus. But Peter was the first to get revelation. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church upon that. Upon information that comes by revelation. Man, that's powerful right there. That's almost good preaching. I almost want to go home right there. No, not going to happen. All right. Uh, turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We're going to begin a series this morning. Uh, how long we're going to be in it, I'm not for sure, but uh, it, it's a continuation of the series we ended last week. Remember, as I stand over here, I'm talking about provision, land, living. This over here, the aisle in the middle, is the Jordan River. And this over here is provision land. This is the land that the children of Israel lived in where God sent them basically to die off. But this is God's provision. And in the promised land is where God wanted the children of Israel to live. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm not, we're not going to teach on this this morning, but I know it's going to bother some of you but that's okay to be bothered but listen to what I'm saying don't say things I'm not don't hear what I'm not saying but I believe in the sovereignty of God but not the sovereignty of God that religion has taught us some people in churchdom have the idea that whatever God wants happens and so everything that happens gets blamed on God that is not the sovereignty of God. Well, if it God allowed it, well, He willed it, or He... No, He didn't. We need to understand, in His sovereignty, He gave over control of this earth to Adam. In His sovereignty, He said, here, you 
manage what I've given you and step back. And he told Adam, whatever you name these animals, he didn't even give them a clue, did he? He just said, whatever you call these, that it will be. See, there's another scripture in the New Covenant that says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it's saying the same thing. Whatever you control, whatever you determine, whatever you have control of on earth, that's the way to be. Do you understand that? What we need to understand, this whole next series that we're going to be on for the next several weeks, is, I don't know if we're going to call it, it's not taking the limits off of God, because it's like you got God, but it's like getting the limits off of you so God can come out. Because you literally can limit the almighty, all-powerful, all-awesome God, full of power and grace and virtue. You, you, you can limit Him. In, he can be limited in your life. In other words, your life is not a result of God working through, uh, through your life. Your life is what you've determined your life to be. Let me put it this way. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it, says, it tells us that out of our heart will flow the issues of life out of our what and our heart the word issues is boundaries and borders so out of our heart flows the issues in other words your life is determined by your heart and what you in what you allow to happen if you don't allow God to move you won't experience God God is not going to supersede your will. Now, you can say, God, not my will, but yours be done, and then receive the flow. But this is all getting back to the word repent. Now, you know how, how we teach the word repent here at the church. It's a repent means to change the way you think, but it's more than that. That is the beginning of repentance. Repentance is more than just changing the way you think. It is also having the intent to back up what you just repented of. See, if you don't have intention of changing your lifestyle, your changing your mind won't do any good. See, not only do you have to change your mind, now you have to have intent to follow through with the wisdom you've just received from above that you changed your mind to. Does everybody understand that? In other words, you can repent all you want to. If you don't, if you don't ever do anything about it, you're not going to benefit from the changing of the mind. Now, I, I like what it says here, and I, I, I'm messing up my notes already, but that's real good because, you know, we don't go by notes around here very good anyway. But it says in Romans chapter 12, can you put Romans chapter 12, verse... Verse uh, 1 and 2 on the board. Look at this. This is really cool. If you have never seen this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Next verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we're not going to get into the discussion. And it seems like ever since I can remember ever hearing this verse, everybody was jumping on a bandwagon. Well, is God's will good? 
acceptable and perfect all in one? Or is there a good will? Is there an acceptable will? And is there, listen, let's just read it this way. That you may prove what is God's will. Look at it that way. Listen, now you take these two verses, put number one back on there again. It says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the what? Mercies. Does it say fear? Judgment? What is the motivator here? Listen, he is saying, Paul is saying, listen, because of God's mercy, I beseech ye, let mercies motivate you. Let mercy compel you. Let mercy be the reason that you present your bodies. As a what? Living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's do the next verse again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you've been in this church any length of time, you know that we believe and teach on a trichotomy of man, a spirit, a soul, and a body. Well, there's two things mentioned in this passage of Scripture. What are they? Your mind is your thoughts, your feelings, your, your soul is your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your will. So in verse 2 is dealing with your mind or your soul. And verse 1 is dealing with your, your body. Where's the mention of the Spirit? You know why there's nothing there mentioned by the Spirit? Because it's already... It's already taken care of. You're already in Christ. You're already complete in Him. It's no longer I that live, but the Christ that lives in you. It's already, it's not a, it doesn't have to be fed no more. In you is Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ. In you, you're strong. You have the power of God. We talked about it in the last session about the seed that's placed inside of you. Okay? And what we need to understand is that inside of you is all... The, there's another scripture that says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So it's not about getting God to come down and bless us. It's about us letting God out. And that's where we limit God. That's where, because we have bad teaching in our heart... I love what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Stop right there. In other words, if the knowledge you have is not producing grace and peace, you don't have the right knowledge. You don't have the right information. Because if you have information, the right information about God and Jesus our Lord, you're going to be full of grace and peace. Because there's lots of knowledge and there's lots of information in this, in this book. But not all the information in this book is going to generate grace and peace. Some of it's going to generate fear and separation. It's called the law. All the law ever did was bring separation between God and man. And if you fill your mind full of law, you'll say, well, no wonder I felt. How many times have you ever said, well, I just feel so distant from God? You ever say that? That's, that's, that's religion talking. Paul said, nothing's going to separate me. The law is what's telling you. It's because of some heartfelt reason. In your heart, there's been te You've heard as a child. I mean, I heard stuff as a child that I'm glad I got rid of. Man, I was, man, you, we're told some stupid stuff. And, I'm sorry, did I say stupid? 
We, we've been told some incorrect things. <laughs> that didn't have the same impact, did it? You've been told some stupid stuff from stupid people that didn't know the heck what they were talking about. Just because it was in a building with a steeple on it doesn't mean that they had revelation. They had information. Well, there's lots of information in the Old Covenant that does not generate mercy. There's a lot of information in the Old Covenant that doesn't generate peace and love. Grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of. And so as we were talking about this in Psalm 78... Let's go back to our first scripture, which we never even read. I told you we'd get back to it, though. I think it did. Psalm 78. It's really a cool chapter because it's really talking about what we talked about last week, last month. It's talking about, if you read it, it's talking about this period of time over here in what is known as provision land living. God didn't want His children, excuse me, the children of Israel to live in provision. He wanted them to live in promised land living. But when they came up to the, the border to, to go into the promised land, they didn't have faith to go in. And so they wandered out into the desert. And we, we, we've gone through that many a times. We don't need to go through it some more. And so Psalm 78 is what this is talking about. And look down here in verse 40 where it says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Do you see that? Where's that? It's talking about over here. Over here when they were in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years. It says, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. What did they do? They limit him. See, God did not get his... God's will was not for them to be in provision. God's will was for them to be in promise. So, so this is one of those situations I want you to see that God in his sovereignty allows man to have what he has. I love what it says in... I love what it says in the book of Romans. People hate this passage of Scripture. Talking about there's a, a group of people that, that knew about the Almighty God and all His greatness and chose to live a different lifestyle. And God began, as you go ahead and read in chapter 1 in the book of Romans, gave them over to this. And then He goes down and says, gave them over to that. And then gave them over to that. It wasn't like God was putting it on them and they became it. They wanted it, and he was trying to talk them out of it. And they said, okay, if you want it, I'll let you have it. That's what took place. But here's the beautiful part about that verse. He didn't, he, he didn't, it wasn't like they let them have it and God stayed here and they went down further. God went down with them because the next time they wanted something else that wasn't his. And God was there too. And because of their stubbornness, and he said, all right, you want it? You can have it. He didn't put it on them. They wanted it. So in his love and sovereignty, he said, okay, I said you could, your will could be done, so you, you have it, but I'm with you anyway. And every time they made a decision to go against God, he was still there with them yeah. to give them what they wanted. Right. What do you want? What kind of limits are you putting on God? Because you are getting what you... See, we hear the gospel, but we have no intent of every following through with it. We hear a message, and we say, it sounds so good. 
We've heard the same message for years, but we haven't done anything. We haven't followed through. We haven't intended or attended to something. We haven't, the scriptures add to your faith virtue. See, it's one thing to believe, but are you persuaded? Paul said, I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded. See, if you're persuaded, you're going to do something. But what happens is we let, our lim- we let the limitations of our own mind and heart keep us from allowing God to work through us and bless us and others. I love this passage of Scripture. Turn with me to the book of Mark. This is really cool. The book of Mark, chapter 8. Now, you need to understand, we're not going to read both of these different passages because it, it's too co- not confusing, it's just too hard to go back and forth. But in Mark chapter 8, and I believe it's in Matthew 16, the same story, it's talking about the same thing in, in two different books, okay? And in Mark, it says a couple different things, not contrary, but it adds some things that's not in Matthew. And Matthew adds some things about this story that's not in Mark. But what we're going to talk about is coming out of the book of Mark, which is also part of the book of Matthew, just not talked about. Does everybody understand? If you put the two stories together, you got a real clear picture of what took place. But look at Mark chapter 8. This is really good to see. I, I saw this and I went, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Matter of fact, before, before we, I look down at my notes, before we read this, let's, let's go back to Romans chapter 8 where we talked about present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Oh, what did I say? Romans 12, uh, Romans 12, 1. It says this, By the mercies, I beseech you by the mercies to present your bodies. What is the reason and the purpose for you presenting your bodies or your, spirit, your soul and your body because your spirit's already done, what is the outcome of you having a spirit that's complete, having your soul in line with your spirit, and your body in line with your soul? Because when that happens, you will prove what is the will of God to the people around you. You will prove, you will be an evident token of His goodness on this earth. You will be an example that's what it means to prove. It's not like, let's, see, when your spirit, soul, and body are in harmony and in line with God's will, when you're in sync with God. See, it's one thing to be in sync with God in the realm of the spirit. It's another thing to be in sync with God in your soul. And then it's another thing to be in sync with God in your flesh. If you're saying how much you want to you want to experience God's prosperity and all the blessings of finances that He has for you, but never, you say that, but never bring your, you never study, or even if you study all that stuff, but then never bring your flesh in line with it by being a giver, it's not going to happen. I love what the Scripture says. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then it goes on and says, don't let this person think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. It doesn't mean it, and we did this before, and I'll do it again since it was a while back ago. Uh, I'll just do this. Uh, J- Pastor John, put your little, uh, put your ha- sit on your hands, okay? Now, I'm going to throw this at to you. I'm not going to let it hit you. It's just a, an, you know, I'm just an example. Let me get something softer. <laughs> I, might, I might get carried away. <laughs> See, now just, just Don't catch it. I'm going to give this to you, okay? 
He couldn't take it, could he? I gave it to him, but he did not have the capacity. Now, I want you to reach out and catch it this time. See, same thing, but see, see, it's not that God hasn't given people things and provided things for people, but if you're double-minded, you don't have the capacity. You're not in line. You're not in sync. He wanted to catch it, but his body, his flesh wasn't going to it. It wasn't prepared. It wasn't in harmony with what was in his mind. He knew it was coming. He knew it was his, but because his body was not in line, his actions. Man, I tell you what, you know that you're holy, and so the more you do unholy things, you're, you're causing confusion in your soul, and you're not going to receive. You're not, you're not going to have the capacity to reach out and take. Listen, you're completing Christ Jesus, but we want to prove what is the will of God in our life by getting our mind and our body in line with what's happened in the Spirit. Do you see that? Yes, 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 yes. So we can prove to the people around us what happens. Here, here. We're going to meddle a little bit. What happens? This is what, usually what happens across America. People have been watching our lives. Well, I don't want to go to their church because they've been talking about this and I don't see them being happy. <laughs> Why do I want to go be miserable like a Christian? Them Christians are just miserable. I'd rather just go party. <laughs> because, hey, do you blame them? Do you blame? No, you don't blame. You, you know why Christians are, that the world looks at the church and see that the Christian, man, they're just a bunch of miserable people. That's because they're hearing one thing and they have, their, their, they have good intentions, but then they don't follow through with anything to make it reality. They're not proving in the world what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's already taken place in their spirit. The only way you're going to prove what's in your spirit as bringing your body, as renewing your mind and bringing your body in line with what is already established in the spirit. Did you understand that? It's not, you're not doing it to get God to love you. You're doing it so you can prove that he does love you. That you already know that you're loved. There's a world of difference. And most, I tell you what, you get in the, Sometimes you get in the grace message, you get people who think they go do what they want to do. Well, go ahead, you can. You're just not going to prove nothing. You're not going to prove how great your God is because the power is not going to flow from you because you haven't presented your bodies as a living sacrifice. You hadn't renewed your mind to the truth of the word. You're not equipped. You have limited, like the children of Israel, you have limited Almighty God, your Father. He's on the inside, and he wants to come out and touch somebody. Listen, God could just touch people and change the world, but he doesn't want to do it without you. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you, not without you. In his sovereignty, he declared he was going to put his spirit inside a group of people after Calvary and they were going to be born of him. And they are going to renew their mind and bring their bodies in line. And they will prove to the world the will of God. And God's will is for all men to be saved. Amen? Man, I tell you right there, it sets you free. If you never heard that before, you just did. All right. Where was I at? Mark 8. 
Mark 8. My goodness gracious, is it that time? Mark 8. Here we go. Verse 13. I love this. This is a, this is a story. Remember, it's in, in Matthew also. But in Mark 8, chapter, uh, uh, verse 13, it says, And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Stop right there. Notice it says, getting into the boat again. That means he'd already gotten in the boat once before. Right before that, you, you, he, Jesus had just fed 4,000 people. All right? And, uh, and then he, he went away. He got into, verse 10, it says immediately, right after the feeding of the 4,000. And by the way, that's 4,000 men and then women and children. But then it goes on and says, immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region and verse 11 says, when he came into that region, it says, Then the Pharisees came out and begged to dispute with him, seeking, him, uh, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? And surely I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side now the disciples had forgotten uh to take bread now okay i'll just say it that way i'll just read it like i said and the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat see it's not that they didn't forget to bring bread they had bread but they forgot to prepare and just had the bread that they had which was just one loaf question how many people were in the boat? Twelve disciples and? So we know. We know there's only 13. Can't you just see Jesus? I, Pastor John, look what it says here. Now the disciples had, verse 14, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. you got to remember where they were coming from. He just fed 4,000. And how many loaves did he have? He just had five. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And what's their response? And they respond, they, re, re, excuse, they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Now listen to that. Stop and put this in perspective. They have one loaf and a minimum of 13 people just coming from a supernatural revival where they just had a couple loaves and fed 4,000 plus people with just a few loaves. And here they had one whole loaf and maybe just 13, maybe a captain of the ship, who knows how many, but not very many. And Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And immediately, as the word was preached, what was their reasoning? That it was about them, about what they didn't Instead of what had already been. Oh. 
all the attention. See, as long as you're focused, as long as you're sin conscious, you'll never hear the word. As long as you're focused on what you do or don't do, you'll never remember what he's done. Man, that's a message in itself right there. Oh, maybe that's why we're talking about it. Man. Now, Matthew 16, it makes it real clear what Jesus was talking about. But, but listen, he wasn't talking about them and what... Listen, I, Jesus got a little irritated. I, I, we, need to have, we need to read the Bible like it was probably really, you know, with some emotion and stuff. But, but it, says, it says, then he said, verse 15, Then he charged them, saying, Take heed before, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Now, we're going to stop right here and talk about something that's called judgment. Judgment's talked about in the Word, but it's, judgment is not judgment when you say that someone's doing something wrong or doing something right. Judgment is when you say you think you know why they did something wrong and why they did it right. See, it's when you judge their motives. You don't know their motives. You don't even know yours. Let's go on here. It says this, But Jesus, being aware of it, being aware of what? Their reasoning said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand in your heart? Where's the problem? Proverbs 4, 23 says, Out of your heart flows the issues, the boundaries, the borders of life. And in their heart they had not yet perceived and understood who was in the boat. They were still focused on their actions, their right and their wrong, instead of His mercy and grace, His power and strength. They still were focused on them, not Him. See, your heart will keep in that almighty, all-powerful, awesome God in a little tiny container. You ever see the movie Aladdin? Great, big, awesome, mighty, powerful God in a little tiny you. Man, just think about that. The whole world is waiting to experience. The whole world is waiting for God to be proven. But we limit it in us. Because we don't think we measure up. There's something wrong with me. Well, I didn't go to church last week. Well, shame on you, because I want... No, never mind, I shouldn't say that. No, 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 no. If I could put control and manipulate you, I would, but I'm not going to. Because you know what? The wise men came because they wanted to. You know what I'm saying? When you get a church full of people coming because they want to, When they, start, when they start presenting their bodies as a living sacrifice, renewing their mind to what has already happened in the Spirit, they're going to prove this, to this area what the will of God is. Man, that's powerful. It's going to happen natural. It's, you're not going to be, oh, I don't want to go that door. No, no, no. I hope no one's home. You ever been door-to-door witnessing? 
How many of you stood there and knocked on the door? Oh, please, God, let no one be home. <laughs> well, talking about intercession, you know what I'm saying? Y'all be praying. Oh, God, let no one be home in this house so I can't tell them about you. Because you're so focused on you, you're not thinking about him. I'm meddling. <laughs> Man, let's finish this. Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? What happens to seed that is sown on a stony path? It doesn't even get in. It doesn't sound like they even... Now, what is a stony path? What's written engraved on stone? Wow. What's stony ground? A heart full of law? Well, how, how do you say... Well, let's just go ahead and read to this. Having eyes, you do not see. What's the scripture say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? That in the reading of the law, your heart is blinded from the truth. Having your eyes, having eyes you do not see, having ears you do not hear. Got a question? Did Jesus only do what he heard and saw? So as long as you have a hard heart, you're never going to hear what the will of the Lord is so you can prove it. See, Jesus heard it. And he proved it. Do you see that? Yes. He heard it. And he, he, he looked up into heaven. He saw the will of the Lord. I see healing. And he proved it. Do you see that? See how it all works together? Yes. It's already happened in your spirit. You need to renew your mind. It's just not about renewing your mind. Now you have to, have to act on. You have to have intent of practicing. The scripture says be a doer of the word you know what the word doer means it means to be a prophetic poetic performer to actually display with it means to be elaborate you know when someone's performing a poem they're displaying what they're reading our life is supposed to be a display of what we believe that's been done in the spirit and as we prophet as we poetically perform it we prove it that's too many p's for me <laughs> i won't do that again as you poetically perform it you prove it there you go how's that A little practice makes perfect <laughs> having ears you do not uh, excuse me having eyes you do not see having ears you do not hear Hear what? Didn't, didn't Jesus say that man's going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Well, you've got to hear it so you can live by it. So if you have a hard heart, you're not even going to hear it. What are you going to be hearing? What you've always heard. There's actually, a, we're, not go, we're going to get into this in the, in the weeks to come, but there's, a, there's actually a nervous system about the size of your finger, the end of your finger, the, the bottom of your, your neck here. Uh, it's a reciprocal nervous system uh, that, yeah, RAS. It's a, it actually keeps stuff out that is not in line with what you already believe. 
you know, it actually works to support your ego. We won't talk about that. We'll talk about that later. You need to come back and get some more of that one. It says, it says here. Oh, I love this. Having, having eyes you do not see, and having ears you do not hear, and do you not remember? How many people, how many people remember what we talked about remembering? I'm going to say that again. How many people here remember what we talked about remembering? Let me refresh your memory. His name was Jonah. Oh, that brings out, oh, I remember now. Jonah was in the belly of the whales. Have, you, have I ever shared this deep revelation with you? I'm gonna, although you probably heard it, I'm going to do this for, for Pastor John and Ann. Oh, you had not heard it yet, Larry? Jonah was in the belly of the well. There's nobody deeper. Listen, the Scripture says circumstances will come to pass, right? Well, Jonah was in the belly of the well, and the Scripture literally says that his soul was fainting unto death, that he was going to be in this situation forever. He's in the moorings of the earth, and he said he's going to be here forever. Well, I got news for Jonah. He was going to come out one way, or the other. And there's a whole lot more pressure coming out the other end. No circumstance lasts forever. Vomit was the best way he could come out of that situation. You understand what I'm talking about? But he was going to, you're, you're going to pass through your circumstance. You will. But there's a whole lot more pressure you got a choice to go through the pressure or come out in victory by remembering the way he came out as he remembered. The scripture just plainly says he remembered his God. And as soon as he remembered his God, man, I tell you what, that'll preach. All right, let's go. And it says, verse 19, When I broke the five loaves for the five thousands, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said twelve. So he's just, he's just kind of slapping them in the face. Now I'm not going to, I don't really don't see Jesus slapping them in the face, but if, you know, we would have been there. Stoop, stoop, stoop. When I had this many people out there, how many baskets did you afterwards? Well, okay. Not just that, but also when I broke the seven for the four, which had just happened. How many large baskets full of fragments? Yeah, large baskets. I like that. Large. Not need to be the basket. Large baskets. Fragments did you take up? And they said to him, seven. Can't you just feel them going like, oh boy, we're stupid. We had one loaf and 13 people. I'm sorry. I, that's funny. So he said to them, How is it you do not understand? I love what it says in Matthew. We're going to jump over. We are going to jump over real quick. It says this. Matthew 16. Verse 11. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread but to be 
aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood what he was talking about. Verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of leaven of bread. In other words, of their not bringing enough. He was trying to communicate to them. But beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. Is that what it says? Jesus just told the disciples to beware of the... Pastor John, what was the doctrine of the Pharisees? The law. The law! The whole old covenant way of worship. All of that. The doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees was the law and living a life under it and through it. Again, I know you've heard this. We're going to say it again. The children of Israel came up to the boundaries and the borders of the promised land and they didn't have faith in God because they had just received the Ten Commandments. They said, even though God said we could have it, we know we can't because we're grasshoppers. Just like the disciples were in the boat and said, listen, he's mad at us because we didn't bring enough bread. The law will make you focused on you. The law will get you so self-conscious, you won't be God-conscious. Come on. Get over yourself. You're not that important to me, to your neighbor. You're not supposed to prove how good you are. You're supposed to prove how great he is. Come on. I mean, it's like, get over yourself and get on with God. I, I, I've said this for years. I'm going to say it again. It's going, I hope it doesn't get, I don't care if it gets me in trouble. The children of Israel, but it's just like God said, but all throughout the scripture, you hear these people and they got one excuse, but get your butt out of the way and get on with God. Take your excuses and get rid of them and quit making it be about you and make it be about God. Now, when was the last time you heard that in church? Come back again. You'll hear it again if I... No. <laughs> Listen, get your excuses out of... Quit focusing on you. See, the law will show you, make you think about you instead of think about how God, how good God is. Listen, you do have faults. You do have failures. You are inadequate in the flesh. But in the realm of the Spirit, come on, you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. You've got the power of God. God, let, don't limit God. Let him out. Don't just come here and hear, man, that was good preaching. Oh, wow. And then never do nothing about it. You might as well go back to, oh, I almost said it. Can't say denomination. I wasn't going to say, I was purpose not to mention any denominations. You Just go back to some old religious standard. If you're not going <laughs> to, if, if you're not going to, if you're not going to apply the word in your life, I can't pray for you. Listen, if, you can't, if you're not going to apply the word that you already know, it doesn't, listen, oh, sovereign, this, oh, sovereign God. Uh, who can I, Larry, can I pick, who can I, Christopher, I'm going to pick on Christopher. All right. Oh, sovereign God, somehow go against Christopher's own personal will. 
and make him into the giant man of God that you've called him to be. Provide for him all the promises of God that are yes and amen, even though he doesn't want them. Isn't that how most of us pray? We're praying for people that don't want it. Go ahead and get frustrated. I mean, listen, Jesus only did what he saw and heard because his heart was clean and pure and he could receive and be led by the Spirit and he knew where to focus his attention. Did he pray for the Pharisees in that passage of Scripture we just read? Or did he just, listen, I, I saw this, I, I saw this, I went, oh my goodness. Jesus getting in a boat, he just healed, a, I mean, he just provided all the bread and everything. He got to a place, he got out of the boat, boom, Pharisees, oh, I'm getting back in the boat. He got back in the boat and went on. He only, he only stayed there for two verses and he was gone again. Man, he didn't like the Pharisees. You know what I'm saying? He didn't waste, he didn't cast his pearls amongst the swine. He didn't, listen, they're not going to take it, so I'm not going to give it. I'm going somewhere else. Is that biblical? Absolutely it's biblical. That's good stuff. <laughs> Let's stand up. Listen, church. The old thinking has limited God. God's almighty, all-powerful. But whatever we bind on earth... We'll be bound in heaven. In other words, God has given us authority to release Him through us. He wants to touch us. He could t- sovereign God could press a button, boom. But in His sovereignty, He gave authority to us so we could prove His love for the whole world because we're proving His love for us. Man, quit limiting God. Let him out. It starts with acknowledging first. This gives you a hint where we're going. It starts with acknowledging, repenting, which is renewing the mind, having good intentions, and then being a doer of your intentions. You know, just having an intention. Well, I tended to. That don't get you nowhere. You've got to be a doer of your intentions. You've got to be a doer of your intentions. And if you never intend... What you just learned won't do you any good either. It's a process of first acknowledging that His will is for you and you accept it greater than yours and then you renew your mind to His will and you intend to do His will and then as you're a poetic performer, you prove His will and the whole world sees His goodness. That's, where, that's the outline for the next couple of weeks. Amen? Father, we give you praise. We give you glory for all that you're done and all that you're doing in our midst. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. You are the great teacher. And right now, we just receive the word that you've given to us, that you've sown in our heart. We receive it with gladness. And Father, I thank you that we're renewing our mind. And from renewing the mind, we're going to now have intentions to what we know. And what we know, we're going to perform it and prove your will in this place. And all God's people said... Amen.